Well, we're uh, in part two this week of a two-part series that we're doing on our core values as a church. And we looked at three of our, our five core values last Sunday, and uh, we're going to look at the, the last two today. The, the first three were the value of connecting with God primarily through worship and prayer. Then there was spiritual growth, and that was primarily through learning the ways of Jesus, biblical discipleship, getting into the, the Word and, and living out Jesus' life. And then authentic relationships where we emphasize small groups and how we relate and, and follow Jesus together. So connecting with God, with each other, and then growing. And, and I almost wonder if there could be a temptation to kind of stop right there. Uh, kind of like a, a sports team that decides the huddle is the place to be. Because the huddle, you never get hit in the huddle, do you? You're gathered around, it's just like sweet fellowship, you and your brothers and sisters, and there's all this talking about the game, there's all this strategizing about the game, all this encouragement, great, you know, let's, let's do this, but there's no actual playing of the game, and God always seems to want to call us out of the huddle. Um, this week, I, I felt a particular need to pick up my copy of Lord of the Rings again. I know, I haven't read it in three years, folks, so I'm not like an addict or anything, so just so you know. <laughs> but I'll tell you why in a bit. But as we think of these next two core values as a church, especially this kind of missional and outward focus of these values, I, I think the Lord of the Rings might inspire us a bit. It sure, at least it'll inspire me, and you can be inspired by my, my inspiration. How's that sound? Um, we're going to watch a scene that kind of hits on this idea of living in a mission that really matters. So let's uh, watch the screen. I can't do this, Sam. I know. It's all wrong. By rights, we shouldn't even be here. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frugal. The ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing. This shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines, it'll shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you. That meant something. Even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Furrow, I do understand. I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going. Because they were holding on to something. What are we holding on to, Sam? There's some good in this world, Mr. Furl. 
and it's worth fighting for. Somebody said to me, why don't you just show the whole film on, on some Sunday morning and, and we can debrief it later, but uh, I'd rather break it up into little bits and if you come here long enough, we'll, you'll get the whole, whole story. I love uh, Sam's words in that scene, you know, that there's good in this world and it's worth fighting for. And the, and the mission of, of Sam and Frodo to somehow uh, journey into Mordor to destroy the ring, which, which if it falls into the hands of its maker, Sauron, will enslave all people and cause the darkness to cover the face of the earth. So their mission is to Mordor, and Mordor is as close a place to hell as you could ever get. And it's a dangerous mission, a seemingly hopeless mission, but it's their only hope. And, and it's a mission that can't be accomplished by armies or treaties but only through the, the smallest and weakest of creatures. Frodo and Sam, who have to walk into the very heart of darkness and, and face this evil head on, and only then can, can the power, this evil power be broken and defeated for both them and for everyone. They have, to, they have to get to the place where they're willing to lose their lives for the sake of the world. Doesn't that sound like a mission we're acquainted with? Uh, Jesus came down into the darkness. Uh, he entered the darkness to bring hope and light to defeat the darkness. And he gave it down. He laid down his life for the sake of the world. And, and he achieved a great victory. I, I mean, darkness, its back was broken. Didn't know it. But a kind of a beachhead of light was established through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And then he invites us to exploit that beachhead. It's like God got a toehold in our world through Jesus' victory, and then he sends his followers out into the world to bring his light and goodness to the world. That's the mission you and I are called to. Now, why do I pick up Lord of the Rings to reread? Because it's become an image of that for me and because I relate all too well to the temptation of the hobbits in that story. Their, their, their temptation to quit, to give up, it's too hard. I, oftentimes in the story, if you watch the films, you read the books, they're reminiscing about the Shire. If only we could be back in the Shire. At one point in their journey, they find themselves in Rivendell, which is this like paradise, you know, think waterfalls, think elves and beauty. And uh, they're kind of asking the question, why couldn't we just stay here? And I think that's the temptation for me. I, I need to read this book. I need to, to, to get into the story because this is a tale that really matters. And the temptation is for me to get sleepy and comfortable and forget about the mission. And Christ calls us never to forget about his mission in the world and, and here's the funny thing, in his audacious, we think of, of audacious faith as our faith. Jesus had audacious faith in us that we would actually carry this out, follow through on his, on his mission to, to redeem the world. So in light of that, in light of all that backdrop, I, I, I want us to look at our last two core values this morning. And I want, I want to start with the, the, the one we value, life-giving service, because 
I would suggest that serving pushes us out of the huddle and gets us in on the action and does it in such a way that we're actually bringing that which God has given us, that, that which how he's wired us, and we're actually giving that as a gift to the church and a gift to the world. Um, the idea is that as a follower of Jesus, we all kind of wear these serving towels over our arms and, and, and saying, I'm here to serve. Paul started a lot of his letters with, with saying that you only need to know two things about me. You need to know my name and, and my fundamental identity here on planet Earth. I am a servant of Jesus Christ, he said again and again and again. I, I wonder if what would happen in this church if everybody, I'm talking about everybody, kind of came into every area of church life and said, I'm here to serve. Think, think of the impact we can make. I, I think of the impact we've already seen as we've pooled our gifts together, our talents, our abilities, our, our finances, as we've, we've said, let's see what we might be able to do, what God might be able to do through us together. It's the body of Christ. It's made up of many parts. And we need all parts for us to function. Now, you might wonder why we mean about um, life-giving service. And, and it's obvious to some of you, I'm sure. But what we mean by that is we, wanna, we, we believe that when we serve according to the gifts that God has given us, that serving will be a joy to us, that it will actually be life-giving. You're, you're, you're giving through your service, but you'll actually receive by the giving. Does that make sense? We, we said goodbye this week to one of our treasured members, Hoon Oyi, uh, went to be with Jesus last Sunday night. I don't know if you, you heard about that, but uh, I loved Hoon. She was a vitalized member of this congregation for as long as I can remember. I don't know when she showed up, but she's been part of this congregation for 20 years or so. Um, it was a bittersweet service that we had here on, on Thursday, and it was wonderful to hear stories of her life in a particular way, how she served. Do you know what her uh, spiritual gift was? Uh, Hoon uh, grew up in Malaysia, uh, moved to Canada, but her spiritual gift, I think, was cooking. I'm serious, like, like it, it was remarkable. And uh, she w- stories were told just of, of how she would cook these lavish meals and invite all kinds of people over to her home, and, and her home would become the center of hospitality and joy and life through her food. People spoke so warmly of, of how blessed they were through Hoon's ministry of food. Uh, in fact, she, for many, many years, has hosted a small group, a hillside home group at, at her home, um, where it was, yes, centered around Jesus and the Bible and learning to grow more like Christ, but it was anchored by a meal that they would put together, and often it was her cooking this wonderful food, and she'd come to church occasionally and slip, a, slip Angel and I a curry packet, which we would treasure, because it came from whom? And here's the thing, she loved it. She loved it, giving in that way. It was such a gift, and I think a lot of our serving ought to be like that. It'll bring joy, because we're giving the gifts that God has given us, he's put in you, to give. It's like blood, it's in you to give. These gifts, these spiritual gifts that God has given you, they're not meant to be kept to yourself. They're meant to be given for the sake of the world. Now, there's a tension here a little bit because, you know, serving like Jesus means that we'll sometimes find ourselves serving in ways that aren't according to our passions and gifts. 
It just That's how life works. It, it, there'll be a need or a job, and it just needs to be done, and you got to do it. You're there. You can, you, can, you can help. And so you step into the gap, and there's kind of grace for that. So, and for you in those moments, it won't feel wonderful and joy-filled. It'll feel like service. It's like, like parents who have to change diapers. I don't know very many people who feel called to changing diapers, who, who feel like that's their gift, right? It's just something you, to, you, you gotta do, and there's a reward in it. A clean bum, I guess. I don't know what the, the reward is. <laughs> the absence of smell. I, I, I didn't mean to digress there, actually. Sometimes you get off track, but there'll be ways that we serve in the body of Christ that will take us out of our comfort zone, that'll take us out of our kind of our, our primary gifting. And, and I would say that God, there's grace for that because God takes us out of our natural gifting sometimes because we have a supernatural God. The Holy Spirit can, can give you a gift for a season just because the church needs it. And so I want to encourage you. We, uh, we have so many people that serve in vital ministries here in the church. And if you haven't been called up to the front, in the first service we called up Eleanor Harms, who has served for 17 years on our global outreach team. And we celebrated her today. And, and there's those of you who haven't been called up onto the platform and yet you've served in ways that nobody knows about. And I want to say thank you on behalf of this church. We've needed you. Thank you, for, thank you Hillside. And, and, and there's those of you who maybe just haven't quite found your job or, or feel like you haven't been deployed yet in this church. And, and I want to say, we need you. We need what you have. We need what God has given in you. And I, I'd ask you not, uh, in, in the gentlest way, not to hoard it, keep it. And, 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 and sometimes, guys, uh, it'd be great if we could just see it in you and we'd, I'd just come over and say, listen, I see this and you need to do this. Folks, we're probably overwhelmed and a, and a big enough church now that it's hard for us to actually pull that off. We need you to be just every once in a while say, what do you need? I'm here. I'd like to serve. And, and, and start a conversation with us. So, so if you're at all interested in getting deployed, Put your hand, like, not now, but this is like, I volunteer. That's what that hand means, just in case it was cryptic. Um, but I'd love for you to consider where you can offer your gifts in the life of this church so that we can fulfill the mission God's given us. Okay, uh, another value we have is life-giving service. And uh, that, that's the value. And then we have uh, value, uh, local and global outreach, some of the final words that Jesus gave before he stepped into heaven was this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, your, your hometown, in, in Judea, the surrounding area, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so our value is that with our words and our deeds, we'll take the good news of Jesus to the tri-cities and beyond. That's everywhere else. But first, God sends us to our Jerusalem, to our local community. We, we hold this conviction that it's unacceptable for a church to exist in a community for many years and for it to make little difference to that neighborhood and to that community for Christ. So what does this mean for Hillside? Well, I'd, I'd say, starting with, it'll mean that, uh, you know, we welcome guests here at Hillside. And I want to I just say, uh, did I forget to announce this earlier? I think I maybe did. We've got a newcomer's meet and greet today. 
right after the service. And so if you're newer to Hillside, we'd love for you to come. And that's part of our ways, way of throwing out the welcome mat. And, and we'd love to help get you orientated to the family. And so we actually have really great refreshments for just the newcomers, not you old timers. Sorry. <laughs> old timers, you can go into the hall and there's free bread. Go grab some bread. You gnaw on a loaf of bread as you go. But newcomers, there's cheese. We got cheese for the newcomers. But uh, we want to... In, in all kinds of ways, we want to, to, to throw out the welcome mat to our, our, our neighborhood. And so when people come in, we're going to be sensitive to them. We're going to do all that we can do to be inclusive as a congregation, to, to the next generation, to, to other cultures, to, to be, be, be welcoming. That's, that's the first thought. But it also means that we're sharing the good news personally and corporately. We'll do what we can to equip our members to actually share their faith, to share the hope we found in Jesus. This is why we urge you to, to regularly pray for two or three people in your life. We've had this practice of just picking two or three pebbles, and we've got some in the foyer. They're almost always there. Two or three stones that can represent, you put them somewhere where you can see them regularly, and you begin praying for two or three people in your life that you feel God has put there for you to bless with prayer. And you're praying for them. Maybe, maybe they don't know Jesus, while you're praying for them, it's just a natural outflow of that to actually look for ways that you can be Jesus to them uh, by blessing them in some way, doing good to them, uh, and, and hopefully being willing and, and open to sharing about the hope that you have with them when the, the opportunity arises. Um, it's actually uh, one of the ways we want to support you, and this is why we put on things like Family Film Night. We want to lower walls and have an opportunity for people to be able to feel free to come in and, and, and make this place their home. And so we, we put on alpha courses and marriage courses and the family film night, primarily with that in mind, that we want to make it easier for you to invite the people you know so they can come in and, and feel like this is not a cult and not a weird place. So, so we want to do that. It's also why we've tried to adopt a simple church strategy. I, I don't know how long you've been part of this church, but, but there was a day where the list of ministries that Hillside was involved in was mighty long. We were busy in all kinds of ways. We had, we had so many things going on. It was, and at times I would say we almost wore our busyness like a badge of honor. Like, look, all the, look, look we're doing stuff, right? We're, like, we're, 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 so, we're going so, so hard. But the problem with having so much stuff going on is we pretty much crowded out the stuff that mattered most. Two things, two things I think that easily get crowded out that we want to make room for in your life. Two things. Your own relationship with Jesus. Room in your life so that you can have a, you can form life-giving rhythms. Prayer would be part of that, scripture. Life-giving rhythms of relating to Jesus. And then secondly, we want you to have room to love your neighbor. It's one of the first things to go, I think. So busy doing church things that we have no room to actually relate to God and relate to the neighbors God's put around us in our community. I've told many of you this story before. I'll probably keep telling you this story because it speaks to me. A couple Christmases ago, um, I'm at a Christmas party and uh, we, we met, I met this young man who was in his first year of university and I asked how it was going. And he says, it's been really tough, it's been really lonely. I'm, I'm living on the dorm, and all my, 
Everyone else on my dorm, most of them, except for two other guys, most of them are really into this Pokemon game or this, this game, and it's like they're a little click, and they have no room for anybody else, and it's like if you're not part of that game, you have no, you're, there's no welcome for you. And he said, and then there was two other guys. One guy, I'm pretty sure he said, was a drug addict, so he seemed to be not a good you know, candidate for friend. And this other guy was a really devoted Christian. This is how he described him. He said, he was a really nice guy, and I would have liked to have been his friend. And this, he doesn't, this, this kid, by the way, doesn't know I'm a pastor. He doesn't know I'm a Christian. He's just speaking this out. doesn't realize, I'm going to share this story forever. <laughs> but he says to me, he says, but that guy, as nice as he was, was going to meetings all the time. He was always going to some church meeting, some university Christian meeting, some prayer meeting that he didn't have any time for me. And so I've been left all to myself. I kind of think, did God place this, this one Christian student there to reach this guy who I, I know two years later kind of tracked with where he's at. I, I know this guy desperately, desperately is looking for something. is looking for Jesus. But this kid had no time for him. And that's, that's become a, a, a metaphor for us as a church. And I, I'd say we could be so busy doing what looks like all the right things. Folks, we can be busy doing all the wrong things too. You can have so much going on in your life. I mean, Netflix or whatever it might be, we can, we can actually be busy with that stuff. But, but I'd say for Christians, we can also be busy doing the right things. And God wants us to, to not miss what matters most. Our relationship with him and, and, and the relationship with the world around us is, is one great key. I love uh, what one pastor said to his congregation. He said this, go and love the hell out of people. That's your mission. Go and love the, the hell out of people. Uh, so in light of Simple Church, can I tell you what our hope and, and, and really our expectation of a person's time and commitment would be for a committed hillsider? Be this, that you'd regularly attend Sunday worship, that this would be something that you, you just have as one of your spiritual rhythms. You show up on Sundays. You, you, you have that as something you do every week. We, we'd love to see you be part of a, a committed small group. And then third, that you'd serve it in some way in the church. And, and not 17 things, we're talking three things, three things. Some of you might be retired, some of you might have uh, real freedom when it comes to your time, and, and you could be serving in greater ways, that's fine, as long as you don't squeeze out those two things that we think matters most. Loving God, loving other people. One more thing about local, and, and this is just something that God has been doing us in our church in the last four or five years. Is, is we've been trying to get involved and partner with organizations in our community. And we've been praying about that. And in the last couple years, hasn't it felt like our prayers have just suddenly been opened? Like God has been answering in, in major ways? The, the opportunities he's given us to, to come alongside refugees and, and to sponsor a refugee family, to, to, to work in refugee, like clean up houses for refugees. Um, I, I think of the schools we've been able to to adopt and work with, guys, it was such an amazing thing a couple of weeks ago for, for me to go with a couple of hillsiders, Sandra and, and, and Starla, and uh, at the Mountain View Elementary, the, the principal, as we gave her this stuff, she said, and oh, by the way, thank you so much for what you've been doing in our gardens. And I'm like, uh, we haven't been doing anything in your gardens. She says, no, 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 
There's a guy that comes over here from your church, you know, kind of ever since you started this sponsorship arrangement, who comes here every year and he works in our gardens and has been bringing bedding plants and, and cleaning it up. And, and she says, thanks so much for that. Isn't that amazing? Like, 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 we didn't program that. And folks, that's just being opportunity-minded. And, and we partner together our resources so that we might actually get very involved in local organizations. But I love when, when you just get inspired. And, and, and I've heard through the grapevine that many of you are involved in many different organizations locally in our community, helping the vulnerable and helping the poor. Guys, that's awesome. Go for it. Do it. If God gives you an idea, go for it. I love what's happening downstairs on Wednesdays. This food depot that God dropped into our, bank, our lap. Isn't that amazing? We didn't even have to try for that. It was, it, this is slow pitch from God. I want you to help the poor. You've been praying about that. Here's an opportunity. And week after week, we get to do that. And, and what an amazing thing. If you've never been down on a Wednesday, take a, take a morning off work and go down and see what's going on. So good. I, I have a vision, by the way. Our, our vision is that we would just more and more exploit those opportunities that God gives us, serving our, our community in, in real practical ways. And I sense that we ain't seen nothing yet. Global outreach. We value global outreach. Can I remind you of a verse that uh, we maybe don't recite very much anymore? Maybe it's been almost overused in some ways. For God so loved the world. God so loved the whole world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish and have eternal life. God so loved our whole world, not just the tri-cities. He loves the beyond. And he sends us there. And we never want to forget the beyond. It's easy to get our eyes on our own little huddles and God says, I've got a whole world that I love, and I want you to partner with, with me there. In terms of global focus for us, it's been kind of twofold, and it's very similar to our local, local focus. We love sharing the good news to people who haven't heard. And our, and, our, and our primary way of doing that has been through our global outreach workers, people like Glenn and, and Sheldon and uh, others that we have, have partnered with for many, many years, the shorts who, who just retired from 40 years of ministry around the world, strategically trying to bring the message of Jesus to people who haven't heard. We're going to keep on doing that. And, and, and folks, uh, we, we, we kind of put this into our budget. We, we give 10% of our, our offerings, our, our income every year towards this kind of evangelistic ministry around the world. We want to keep on pressing into that value of supporting and praying for and sending out those who feel called to go. And, and, and I think we, I, I sense, I, I'd love to get to the place where it's like putting 20% of our budget into that. I sense, I sense God wants to continue to, to grow this uh, sense of, of bringing his message around the world. Now, um, our second focus when it comes to global outreach is what we've called compassionate outreach. Again, this is about, you know, we talked about that locally, helping the poor locally, but we're talking about addressing brokenness and suffering around the world. And we were following in the footsteps of Jesus, who when he came, he didn't just preach words. He didn't just announce the coming of the kingdom. Jesus, when he came, he came demonstrating the kingdom through loving the hungry by feeding them, by healing the sick, 
by delivering those who are in bondage, addressing injustice. And, and, and so we're following also not in Jesus' footsteps, but those who followed on in his example throughout the ages. It, you may or may not know this, but it was Christians, followers of Jesus, who, who came up with the idea of hospitals and orphanages. Palliative care. We think of palliative care as a new development. This was something that Christians have done through the ages, bringing dignity to, to those who are suffering and dying. Prison outrage, to name a few. Now, many of you know that, that God has led us in a very significant way over the last 15 years in adopting two villages in, in Kenya, the villages of Boro and, and Seje. And I'll tell you what a ride that was. It, it began as a dream of us getting involved. We partnered with Hungry for Life. Uh, and, and they helped connect us to these, these, these communities. And we were thinking small development projects, you know, maybe a well one year in a classroom. And can I tell you that God blew our socks off. Our first year, our first year, we, we targeted raising 15,000 towards a, a water well. And you generously gave 50, $50,000. It was a clue to us that God's up to something here. And over the next three years, in fact, over the next 10 years, we were able to invest hundreds, literally hundreds of thousands of dollars changing those communities forever through education, through, through healthcare, through agriculture, all, all these kind of uh, microfinancing, training, job training, all those kind of things. And, 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 and we've been able to walk away from those projects and, and those communities, from what we understand, are still flourishing in many, many ways. Now, in the last three years, we've been kind of asking the question quite seriously, what's next, God? Like, what do you want us to do? And in this gap season, as we've been praying and seeking, we actually have still been involved in global work, and God led us to, to sponsor a refugee family from Syria, and we've done other things. But we, we've sensed that, that God's wanting us to kind of significantly invest in, in one particular project, and we've been praying about that for some time. And I want to announce this morning that, that I think after much wrestling and prayer that I think we've landed on an answer. God has increasingly been putting the needs of refugees worldwide on our hearts. And, and, and so much so that, that, as I said, we've been involved in that locally, but the need is, is so great. The number of families and individuals who are living in limbo in tents and refugee camps around the world is simply staggering. It's actually unacceptable that this is allowed to continue. Uh, with the resources of the world, that problem could be addressed in a moment, I think, with the snap of, snap of a few powerful fingers, but the need has been so great. As a result of war, the displacement of people groups, and I don't, I don't know if any of you have ever been a refugee or have actually had to flee your home because of war or violence or some kind of calamity, but can you imagine what that's like? God's uh, put his finger on a particular area, a particular people group. Uh, through our partnership with Hungry for Life, we've identified a project in the Kurdish region of, region of Duhok, Iraq. As some of you would have heard this summer, there's a little church in Duhok that has been doing its best at, at reaching the refugees that have flooded into their area as a result of the devastation that ISIS brought in Syria. The, the refugees that have fled to to, to Ahok are primarily one people group. They're the Yazidi people. And the Yazidis were a people group of about, about 3 million people, but it's been estimated that about half of their number 
were massacred by ISIS. Something like that. Close to three quarters of a million have fled from their homeland to the Duhok region. And, and, and today, from what we understand, there's literally some estimates 750,000 people living in refugee camps, tent cities around the region of Duhok. There are, for that little church, this little tiny congregation, their opportunities to help their local community have simply been massive and overwhelming. And so they've been doing what they can, raising funds and, and doing food outreach. And, and late last year and early this year, we were able to send some resources this way, around 10,000 in food aid. But we've been sensing that we can do more to help this little church in the work of sharing and showing the love of Jesus to the Yazidi people. And the Yazidi people are truly an unreached people group. From what we know, there's just a handful of Yazidis who know Jesus. And, and as our global outreach team and our, our leadership team have been considering both the need and the opportunity, we've been sensing God's yes to this project. Now, it's going to be different work than we did in Kenya um, for a couple of significant reasons. In Kenya, we were mostly doing development work, but in, in this region, right now, the major need is just food for the hungry. There are people starving, and, and the resources, here's, here's the thing about refugee work around the world right now, is for a while, it's like the light has been shone globally. Our, our world has been aware of the refugee issue. But it's like the light's kind of shining off that and going on to other things. It's like, like we move on. It's kind of like a news cycle. We, we hear about a need, we, we pour in for a while, and then we step away. And that's kind of what's happening in a lot of these refugee situations around the world, is is governments are, are withdrawing their help, UN's stepping out, and, and so <laughs> these families still are, are desperate. And this is where the church can step in. The opportunity is just so great, and, and we can do something. And so um, we're going to be doing more relief work to start, but uh, at the same time, there's uh, Hungry for Life assures us that as these refugees seek to s settle more permanently in that region, that God will open up doors for development projects as well. So we're, we're in the early days of this, and we'll see where God leads, but there's some opportunities here that are going to be phenomenal. Another aspect of the work is it's in Iraq. It, it, what do you think of when you think of Iraq? I, I, I think of maybe dangerous place to go. Anyone? Yeah? It is actually a dangerous place to go. This part of Iraq in the, the Kurdish region is actually relatively safe. And so we can actually send people there, but we just probably can't send large teams like we were accustomed to in, in Kenya. We're probably sending representatives, one or two, maybe, or three ambassadors that would go and, and, and connect with the work there, encourage the workers that are there, encourage that church. There's opportunities for us to send small teams, and there's probably a greater opportunity for us to actually invite them to come and give them respite and love on them as they come and, and, and get, get exposed to their ministry through their visits here. There's that potential opportunity. Can I tell you something really kind of cool? Um, say, Jay, you know, for a lot of you, near and dear, because you actually went there and you loved there, there's a little village outside of Duhok that uh, is, is ripe for a development project. Guess what its name is? Say, Jay. There's a Sage Iraq. Who knows that might, God might call us there. 
So it's going to look different. We're, we're walking this out. It's kind of like the adventure is now. I don't know what it's going to look like entirely, but one of the things we want to just say is we've sensed that we're to actually try to raise some funds, and, and so later this year we hope to have a significant offering where we have a goal to raise $20,000 to give to this church, to their ministry of, of reaching this community. And so we might do that Christmas Eve. It's something you could be prayerfully thinking about. We also, our, our global outreach team has is, is shrunk a little bit, and we, we're actually reforming our, our global outreach team. If global outreach is really on your heart, we need a few key people to, to consider joining that team and, and being helping us in our strategic efforts, both with our global evangelism and our compassionate outreach. And so if you're interested, please, I'd love to have a discerning conversation with you about that. That might be on your heart. Okay, I got to land this thing. I'm going to invite uh, the worship team to come on up. Kevin, you want to lead us in a closing song in a moment. But these, these last two core values, local and global outreach and life-giving service. And, and my prayer is that God would continue to give us his vision to do far more than huddle. That Hillside Community Church would step out into God's mission. I, I once heard someone describe the end of the Christian life as this. The chief end is to become as attractive as Jesus, as dangerous as Jesus, and as fruitful as Jesus. Would that be true of us? Or as Aragorn once said, let's hunt some orc. Amen. Let's, uh, would you stand with me? Let's, let's sing together. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. And Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. He's worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none besides you. Open up my eyes in wonder. trust in you alone and I 
final word or encouragement to you today would be that you would actually find a life-giving huddle. Surprise, surprise. A group of friends here, and uh, you can do that by, by joining one of our, our small groups. Kevin will help you get placed in that. But our huddles are never meant to be our final destination, because Jesus sends us to the whole world. He sends us most often just across the street, right across the, our work stall, Wherever we are, God has a mission for you. He has a mission for this church. And may God give us great grace to participate in a tale that really does matter for his glory. Amen.